How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there. If you haven't done so already, please go on Instagram and give at English Encore Podcast a follow. I started doing an Instagram page about three or four weeks ago. I've done three live sessions the past three Saturdays. Um, the first week I had Justin Cooper and Takal Molson from Seton Hall. My second week I had David Anderson from the Los Angeles Dodgers organization. Then this past weekend I did a little bit of a question and answer type session just because I wanted to switch it up a little bit. I will be back to having guests this coming Saturday. Tune in to my Instagram page and about an hour from now I'll be posting the two guests that I'll be having for this upcoming weekend. Um, really good content. Um, hope you guys have been enjoying the other podcast topics that I've been going through the past few weeks. I know it's pretty tough with not really any sports going on, but I'm trying to give you guys as much content as you can. Um, so today I'm be talking about the Bills and Sabers again. Um, Bills schedule finally came out. A lot of Bills fans are super excited because we have four primetime games. So I'm be going through the schedule, talking about you know, what parts of the schedule are going to be tougher than others, what the schedule really means for the Bills, and some key games to kind of look at. And then I'll be going through and talking about Jack Eichel, the Sabres. You know, he's been in, on the team for five years now, and I'm kind of going to talk about if it ever gets to that point where he demands a trade, where he could possibly an, or excuse me, end up, and the trade value for him. So starting off with the Bills, just going a quick overview of the schedule. So week one, they are at home versus the Jets. Week two, at the Dolphins. Week three, at home versus the Rams. Week four, um, at the Raiders. Week five, at the Titans. Week six, at home on Thursday night football against Kansas City. Week seven, at the Jets. Week eight, first the Patriots at home. Week nine, first the Seahawks at home. Week 10, they're at Arizona. Week 11, they have a bye week. Week 12, they're home to the Chargers. Week 13, they're on Monday Night Football versus the 49ers. Week 14, they are on Sunday Night Football at home versus the Steelers. Week 15, they are at the Broncos. Week 16, they're at the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football. And then to close out the season, they're at home week 17 versus the Dolphins. Um, so just first glance at schedule, I still think, um, you know, I did a podcast about probably two, three weeks ago going through my schedule predictions, predicting the Bills um, overall record. I still think that my record of 11-5 and five can very much come true. Um, to me, there's absolutely no reason the Bills should finish less than 10-6. and six. Um, Anything less than 10 wins, honestly, to me is a failure for the season considering you won 10 games last year, really should have won 11. You could have played your starters, you know, week 17 versus the Jets, but you'd already locked up your spot at that time. So completely understand why we didn't play starters. Um, you only got better in the offseason. You had a great draft. You brought in key free agents. You got Stephon Diggs now on your offense. You have drafted Zach Moss to complement Singletary. There's absolutely no reason that you can't go up in your record. Um, you know, the first five games of the season to me can really um, determine how far the Bills can go. To me, there's zero reason the Bills can't go into that week six game at home on Thursday Night Football against Kansas City at a minimum of four and one. Like, there's just no reason you can't. You should be able to beat the Jets. You should be able to beat the Dolphins. 
There's, you should be able to beat the Rams at home. You should be able to beat the Raiders. And your toughest game is definitely going to be the Titans, a playoff team that made the AFC Championship last year. But you walked into their building last year and beat them. Granted, that was when Mariota was at quarterback, but you've seen Tannehill enough over the years that you should be able to limit him and Derrick Henry, especially with the big linebackers that we have. So to me, that's probably your biggest 50-50 game. I think the Rams are beatable. You know, Jets and Dolphins are second class to you. Not that they don't have some talent on their rosters, but there's no reason you can't beat them. The Raiders are rebuilding. There's no reason you can't beat them either. You get to go into their new house, their new stadium, and just walk all over them. There's zero reason you don't beat them handedly. And then you finally have your first really big challenge on Thursday Night Football against Kansas City. And then looking through the rest of the schedule, I think weeks through 12 through 16 are going to be very challenging for the Bills. It's kind of how last year was towards the end of the season. We had a very tough schedule when we had to play you know, Pittsburgh on the road, New England, um, Baltimore, games like that. This year, week 12 through 16, you have the Chargers, 49ers, Steelers, Broncos, and Patriots. Three of those games are prime time, and it really does stink because you know, from the Chargers to the 49ers, you have a little more time to prepare because it's a Monday night game. But then you come back and you play a Sunday night game, so you kind of miss another day of practice and preparation. Then after that Sunday night game against the Steelers, you have to go all the way to Denver and play in high altitude, come back home. You do get that extra day to play the Patriots on Monday night football. So it's definitely a, just a tough challenge for the Bills, especially just with the traveling alone. You know, it can definitely take a toll. But I do think it is nice that week 11 is the bye week before that stretch of games. So you can get your players back healthy who potentially could be hurt. Hopefully no big name players will be hurt. And it's also just intriguing because you could potentially be playing, um, hosting former quarterback and Tyrod Taylor. Then you have two primetime games in a row. Then you have a Drew Locke, Josh Allen matchup followed by a Patriots game on Monday Night Football. Which by then it could be determining seeds for the playoffs. To me the Bills could finish third or better in the AFC and there's no reason they can't win the AFC East obviously the Patriots it's still theirs for the taking however I think that the Bills are in the most prime position to take that spot from them and I really wasn't surprised at the beginning and end of schedule is division games kind of how it always is I feel like we're always playing the Jets or Dolphins week one and two which we are this year and then Dolphins Patriots 16 17 is kind of how it's been for the past two to three years but to me, the four primetime games, as great as it is for the fan base and stuff, it really gives you um, a chance to evaluate Josh Allen a ton. You know, he really did get better down the stretch in bigger games last year, whether it was against the Ravens, the Steelers, the Patriots. He played well in those games. However, these are some different tasks. You know, you're facing the Kansas City Chiefs and 49ers, one at home, one on the road. Both were in the Super Bowl last year, one of them Super Bowl champion in Kansas City. You know, there's some beef there between the Bills and Kansas City, not necessarily um, between the two teams, but the fan base just because, you know, the tr pick we traded to Kansas City and when we traded back to get Tredavious White, they took that and picked Mahomes. So there's some beef there. And then obviously the arm strength between Allen and Mahomes has always been a debate. Mahomes already won an MVP in the Super Bowl. That's what the Bills hope Josh Allen can be. It's just whether or not Allen's going to be able to handle the moment, you know, in the Texans game, in the first Patriots game of the year last year when we were both 3-0, and 
It was a great opportunity for Allen to really prove himself, and he kind of fell flat. He did really well in the first half against the Texans and showed glimpses of greatness. In the overtime period when he made that great third down pass, Devin Singletary across his body, but then stuff like throwing the pitch backwards to Dawson Knox, throwing a deep ball into double coverage to your fullback and Patrick DeMarco, just things like that. You have to clean that up, and it's going to give Allen a really good opportunity to prove himself and just for the team to prove itself overall. And like I said before, really anything less than 10 wins to me, I think, is definitely not a good look for the Bills. I truly think the Bills are going to be able to be a top three seed, even a top two potentially, just because I do think that um, the Chiefs division is going to be a lot harder for them than it was last year. You know, the Chargers are a lot better defensively. They got Chris Harris. They're going to have Derwin James for the whole year now. They drafted a good linebacker in the first round. They have Justin Herbert. We don't know how much he'll play. But Tyrod Taylor gives them the mobility option compared to Phillip Rivers, who's very standstill in the pocket last year. And Tyrod just doesn't turn the ball over. So between them and then, you know, the Raiders did get a little bit better. And, you know, division games are always tougher. And then the Broncos, I think, are an interesting team. I think Drew Locke is going to have a good year. They did a good thing in going out and drafting Jerry Judy. So that division is going to be tight. You really don't know about the Colts division with the Texans and Titans as well. No more DeAndre Hopkins, so I think the Texans are definitely going to take a step back. The Colts, I think, got better actually in getting Phillip Rivers because he fits Frank Wright's style of offense. Tennessee is definitely the team to beat in that division, but we just don't know. Tannehill has been very inconsistent over the years, so we'll wait and see with him. And then the Steelers get back Big Ben. You know, hopefully Odell Beckham will be fully healthy for the Browns. They're supposed to be better. And then Cincinnati, people think that they're going to be a lot better than people expect with Joe Burrow, A.J. Green, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd. So you really don't know. Those teams can all beat up on each other. And I think even though the AFC East with the Bills is very up for grabs, I think that the Bills have a better roster right now than all the other teams. And I think the margin's actually greater than a lot of other divisions in the AFC. They did get um, the short end of the stick as far as the NFC division they have to face because they do have to face one of the toughest, if not the toughest, division between Seattle, the Rams, um, the 49ers, and the Cardinals. So, you know, that's definitely going to be tough. But to me, you're better off losing in some of those games and capitalizing on your AFC teams to move yourself up in the standings. And I definitely think that this could definitely be a good chance for the Bills to make a deep run into the playoffs. Um, hopefully by then we'll be able to be watching these games. I know everyone's really excited and booking trips, you know, Vegas, Nashville, wherever. Um, it's very tough for me because honestly, I just don't see, you know, the government allowing 70,000 plus people in a stadium. And it's very hard because you could just say, you know, if you're really that scared to get coronavirus, then just don't go to the games. But at the same time, you don't want to be putting the players at risk. Um, if it can grow again, obviously, hopefully we can get some vaccines or something going on. And at the end of the day, we don't want kids or elderly people getting it. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're fans too. And you don't know how long certain people have or, you know, if the Bills could go on and win the Super Bowl this year. You want to have, you know, those people be able to go and see those games who have been fans for a long time compared to some of the other fans. You know, I've been a Bills fan my whole life, but I'm only... You know, 22 years old, there's been Bills fans that have been fans for 50 years that 
really want to go in there but don't feel safe because of coronavirus and they might be more inept at getting it. So it's definitely going to be a tough situation. But overall, I really like the Bills schedule. Um, I really do think the games will be played this year. I don't know if it will be with the fans or not, but um, I think it will still be really good for the Bills. And I really expect great things from them. And I think being McDermott and them are going to be able to get it done. And I think Josh is going to have a great year. Um, I don't know if he'll be an MVP candidate like some people think he is. And Vegas have his odds pretty um, low just because it's a good bet. But um, very excited for the Bills. Um, moving on to the Sabres now. A um, little bit of a tougher topic. No one ever really wants to talk about this just because, you know, the Sabres have gone through some hardships, you know, just through the playoff drought and all, but, you know, dating back to 2006, seven seasons around then, you know, that was the prime time Sabres when I was growing up and we had Breer and Jury and all those guys. And, you know, we saw Breer and Jury both, you know, pretty much get let walk away from the Sabres because they didn't want to pay Briere and Drury. It was going to be very hard to keep both. Um, you know, they wanted to keep Drury, and then he decided to go to the Rangers. And by then, you already, or Briere already signed with the Flyers. And then because of that, you had to match the Oilers' um, offer sheet for Thomas Vanek, which I love Thomas Vanek. And as I've mentioned before, I think he's the most underappreciated Sabre of all time. But. Um, I think they would have been in a better situation going forward had it been Bree Air that they got to keep. So just going through that and, you know, having to trade away Miller because they wanted to give him a chance to go out and win a Stanley Cup. And just all these guys, you know, Pominville not being brought back this past year, even though he's very much a clear better option than guys like Vladimir Saboka, Johan Larson, guys of that nature, Jimmy Vc for that matter. And... You know, it just seems like the Sabres have not gotten a lot of things right in the past 10 years. And now it's really starting to put pressure on them because you have an absolute superstar on your team in the making. Jack Eichel right now is a top 10 player in the NHL and very much is trending towards being a top 5 player. And you're wasting the prime of his career. You have him under contract. He just signed an 8-year deal a few years back. At only $10 million, which seems like a lot, but for what some of these guys are going to be getting paid going forward, it's a great bargain for the Sabres. But he's been in the league for five years now. You've not made the playoffs once. He's had bad goalies his entire career here. The defense core is just starting to get a little bit better, but it's been bad since he got here. You know, when he first got here, we had guys like Josh Georges on the defensive line and just was not good. The best teammates he's had since he's been here have been Evander Kane, Ryan O'Reilly, Sam Reinhart, Jeff Skinner, Victor Olofsson, and Rasmus Dahlin. You gave away Evander Kane for pretty much nothing. You got Daniel Regan in some picks, which really hasn't turned out anything. You got, you know, just flat out taken advantage of in the Ryan O'Reilly deal for guys that look like they aren't going to be great for the Sabres. You know, Tate Thompson's a question mark. Then you got Saboka and Berglund. Berglund left your team. Saboka is one of the worst players in the NHL. Um, middle stat hasn't worked out for you, Botterill. You know, Reinhardt and Skinner are both good pieces. You know, Olsson and Dahlin have super high potential, but, you know, they just don't have any help for Jack. And it's getting to the point where as these seasons continue going forward and forward, if you don't give him more help and you continue to miss the playoffs and you continue to have coaching and GM changes – you know, 
He's already been through three. This is his third coach he's been on. He went through Bilesma. He went through Housley. He's on Kruger now. He went through Tim Murray. Now he has Jason Botterill. It's one of those, when are the Bagulas going to finally put their foot down? You have to get a GM that wants to build around Eichel because clearly Botterill has not done that yet. You have to give Kruger a chance because you've already paid him five years and you can't just keep changing coaches. And it seems like Eichel actually likes Kruger. And, you know, he loves Reinhardt and he loves Skinner and Olofsson. And that's a good starting piece to build around. But those second and third line centers and, you know, maybe Dylan Cousins can be that. But you have to help him because if you don't, he's going to want out. And it's very unfortunate because no one in Buffalo wants that. And people in Buffalo be enraged if they traded him. Especially the way Bottrell or whoever the GM could be or if it is still him have been doing deals over the past years where they got taken advantage of in the Ryan O'Reilly deal. And Ryan O'Reilly is a great player, but Jack Eichel is on a different level than Ryan O'Reilly. And to me, you have two more years before Eichel really is going to want out. You know, with everything going on, I think you're pretty much safe for this year. But then after that, you have one more year to try to make a push, make the playoffs, get him some help, or you are in some serious trouble. And... You know, I really don't want to talk about this, but I think it's proper to address it because, you know, it could very well happen. Um, The three teams that come to my mind, if the Sabres were to move on from him or he demanded a trade and just like wouldn't play for us or be a locker room pest. um, Boston, just because, you know, played college hockey there. Um, He's from there. He would fit perfectly into their system. He kind of just slides in for those guys like Pasternak. Marshan, Char, those guys who are getting older and kind of bring a new life to them to go along with, you know, McAvoy and some other guys on that team. You know, the Rangers, another option is college, former college coach is their head coach now. Um, he'd fit greatly with, you know, Panarin. They drafted Kako last year, um, Chris Kreider, a lot of super young talent, Fox as well. Um, then the Avalanche. The Avalanche is another team just because they have Nathan McKinnon, they have guys like Landeskog, uh, Kale Makar, Zadorov, good goaltending, and Grubauer. But they have some other pieces, guys like Rantanen, who maybe they'd be willing to give up to go get a guy like Eichel who is a little bit better than them. And, you know, trade value is very hard to evaluate in the NHL. But to me, I think for Eichel, you'd be having to give up multiple first-round picks, um, elite level prospects and some other guys who are going to be step in immediate impact you know second third line guys if not first line guys you know I look at the avalanche a guy like Rantanen a pick and some prospects you know Boston I'm not really sure who they have in their prospect system um you know the Rangers is tough too but like I said it's very hard to evaluate you know trade potential for Eichel or like his value, I should say, but it's definitely going to be a haul, multiple picks, multiple players, multiple prospects, um, and just the type of player he is. So to be the Sabres have to get that right in the next few years, or Sabres are going to be very upset when in three to four years when he's on a different team and he's hoisting a cup, winning the Conn Smythe, because that's how great I think he is. Um, it's definitely going to be hard for them to swallow. You know, Jack Eichel could win the heart if he had just a little bit more help around him and could carry this team to the playoffs. He can't do it all on his own. Um, But that's going to do it for this week's episode, guys. 
Um, like I said, go follow at English Encore Podcast on Instagram. I'll be making my announcement very shortly about my guests for this Saturday on Instagram Live. Tune in for that, and then I'll be having a podcast following that. So please go give that a follow. I appreciate all the support, and I appreciate everyone who tunes in each and every week um, and just listens in. So hope everyone tunes in on Saturday, and I hope everyone's staying happy and healthy, and hope to have you guys all um, tune in on Saturday. Thanks, everyone.